Welcome to a very special edition of the Skyline Podcast. This is your host, Jake Speller. And with us for this very special Champions Podcast is Sam Miami. Sam, how the fuck are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Skyline Champion. How does how does that feel? Say that that my the the San Miami Marlins are skyline champions. It feels good. It feels good to get that like that first one out of the way. So we had gotten like semi close for however many years in a row, but we never actually made like a deep postseason run except for the one team we had that made the playoffs that wasn't actually any good. So it's good to like actually get this one done. I don't think I realized this is your tenth. That that was your tenth consecutive playoff appearance. Yeah, it's funny. We um the only team that even made it as far as the uh, championship series or whatever we call it was the 2028 team, which again wasn't good and barely made it into the playoffs. And every other team lost in either the first or second round. Now 2028. I mean, we're talking pre-expansion. We're yeah, talking, yeah. This we is... um, I remember like Trent helped. Trent beat Tarlow like on the last day. Otherwise, we wouldn't have even gotten into the playoffs. Yeah. And then we just went on some crazy run. Yes. The uh, the 56 and 100. Philadelphia Phillies beat the Pittsburgh Pirates to keep you guys out of a game uh, 157. This would have been back 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 in the day. It would have been game 157. Uh, I like that 2028 team. We had like very young Marnix. We had Terry Moody. We had like Juan Iglesias, but he wasn't even eligible for the playoffs because he, he was like a September call-up. Yeah, like, Michael Weaver. Team. You know, you, yeah, know who's, Weaver. You, know, you know who's your first baseman on that team? Uh, I don't. Angels legend Mike Tarkini. Yeah, Mike Tarkini in game one in, of the uh, SCS against the Rockies. I remember he hit a grand slam and he went up six nothing. And from then on, and Trent Downey was our starting pitcher that game, and he immediately gave all six runs back up. And then we just got swept. Like it was just game over from there. Mike Tarkini was on that team, but yeah, uh, that team got swept in four games. The 2037 team did not get swept nine years later. Uh, beat the Cubs in five, and we'll get there uh, in a second. But first, I want to start with where the playoff run started uh, against those 2037 pesky Phillies. I believe they took it to seven, did they not? Yeah, the Phillies, I mean, I remember, I think we won We won the first two at home, and then we got absolutely stomped on the road. I think we lost game, I guess it was game five. It was like 17, I think it was 17 to four. It was, it was laughable. I didn't even watch game six because I was so convinced that this was just going to be another Marlins run where we're good in the regular season and then we just can't be clutch in the playoffs and then I come back and it's the middle of game seven and we're winning so can't complain uh on that on that homestand took games uh one and two eight seven five two respectively and then outscored by my count 29 to seven uh in Philadelphia and then Six five game six victory and Philadelphia and that's in the series at that point had scored a little more than forty runs and then just shut them out there in game seven. Yeah, that's what we see. The exact opposite of game three, which was a six nothing Philadelphia win. Yeah, like they they beat us in close game. Well, I guess we we won just enough close games to actually win the series, but they didn't make it easy for us, like basically at all. Who uh who's who's your unsung hero in that in that series? Um, there are a couple unsung heroes like for the playoffs as a whole. One of them is um Jimmy Campbell because he was coming out of the bullpen. He had kind of done a little bit of both during the regular season. He started out in the bullpen. He was terrible, and I optioned him down to AAA. Then I ended up calling him back because Felix got hurt, 
and he he finished the regular season in the rotation and he was really good as the number five starter but he went back to the bullpen for the playoffs and he um basically jonathan garcia was absolutely terrible for the entire entirety of the playoffs like every series he just kept getting blown up and i was worried because garcia was my number one starter so i was kind of worried that it would just tax the bullpen and everyone would be tired for the rest of the series but uh campbell would come in and like clean up the mess that garcia would uh would put out there. I think in game one, Garcia like immediately gave up five runs in the first. And like, we somehow ended up winning that game eight to seven, which was just lucky. And I don't remember if Campbell was part of that one, but let me see if I have it. Yeah. He came in, he, he didn't do all that great that game, but just in general during the playoffs, he just cleaned up Garcia's mess like a few times. So fun fact about Jimmy Campbell in that postseason, he had a negative Sierra. I'll be honest. I don't know what Sierra uh, does per se believe was it skill independent uh skill interactive era one of them one of them fancy schmancy advanced stats <laughs> that uh that nerds like you and i like i guess you i guess you got me beat on this one all i know is that he struck out 46 percent during the playoffs and he walked yeah, uh, 5%. 14, 14.8 k per nine 1.7 walk per nine 0.48 whip uh in 10 and a third inning so good he was very good he was very good. He got the final out of the World Series, or of the SNS. So uh, he, uh, very good uh, at doing what he needed to do. Uh, but looking at this team, it was really, it was really a two-pronged approach, uh, approach all year. It was Angel Bonifacio and his 92 stolen bases, 7.4 war. And then rookie sensation Roberto Esquivel uh, and his 7.2 war. Esquivel really was kind of the tale of two seasons because I believe at some at one point during the middle of the year, he was leading the, the league in batting average, was he not? Yeah, he was pretty streaky. He technically isn't a rookie. Um, if you look at his batting stats, he got one plate appearance in 2036 and immediately got hurt and missed the entire year. So he's not eligible for any of the rookie stuff for 2037. Um, but he's kind of a streaky hitter. Um, he had that one week where he just like, I think he was batting eighth for me at the start of the year. And he had one season or one week where he just, completely exploded and hit like 10 home runs or something. And he was batting third from then on. I mean, he's obviously one of the most talented players we have in sky. I haven't looked yet to see where he is uh, on the player ring. Cause I'm looking down. It looks like he's the number three player in sky. Number th- oh, he was number two who, who overtook him. Uh, so Sean Morrell and our number one player in sky, 39 year old, soon to be 40 year old Joe Sparrow. Dang. All right. I can't, uh, I can't argue too much with, with either of those. So what, what are the expectations for Esquivel going into year two? I mean, you look at the ratings, you look at his hitting ratings, you don't know he's going to play against lefties. You kind of worry about the strikeouts. He struck out 150 times last year. Is there any part of your mind that's yelling at you? Is this the best it gets? Is this the best it gets? Um, I think that he will continue to put up, like, if he puts up less than four wins, it would kind of surprise me because the defense with 80 range kind of gives you this very comfortable floor of like really how bad you can be if your bet's good at all and his bet is certainly good um i just want him to stay healthy he had a few injuries in the minors but nothing too bad and then he had that big injury like right when he got called up so as long as he stays healthy um i expect maybe not you know maybe not 7.2 again but i don't see any reason why you shouldn't be very productive so Someone that got hurt that was having a couple good years uh, here and there, and then just the, the move to the new game just act, act, absolutely killed him. One of your favorite players in all of Skies, uh, Maquan Nacruz. Yeah. Talk about, yeah. Talk, talk about Nacruz. 
Yeah, Nacruz is uh, yeah, 23 really did not do him any favors at all. Um, I think he's like the exact profile of the type of guy that would get killed in 23, and it really showed. Um, what's funny is that I mean, his batting uh, stats for the season were absolutely awful, and he still managed to steal 46 bags, and that's while getting on base like almost never because his, his on-base percentage was 284, and he still that managed to steal a lot. It's not great. We'll have to get rid of on that one. But um, he actually got benched for the uh, the playoff run. Connor Neal, another unsung hero, came in, and uh, he started the entirety of the playoffs, and he absolutely killed it. I extended uh, Nick Cruz with the hopes that like I could get him slightly cheaper because he was having such a bad year, but uh, he did not get better after I after I extended him. No, so that's uh, that's an interesting contract still in the books there for what may end up being a backup catcher, but that's not the, uh, that's not the point. Let's go back to talking about someone that did make a positive impact on the Marlins occurring 9.4 war in two years as Miami Marlin making a combined 25 million across two years. Talk about Mr. Elijah Holtz. Oh yeah. Were people talking about Elijah Holt at all? Was he a, a hot topic? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I don't pay attention to any of that. I just know, you know, um, made 25 million over two years. That's gotta be good. Right. That sounds pretty fair to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if people want to talk about Holt, then we can talk about Holt. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Um, I really, I was really hoping that I would be able to resign him for this year and just kind of sneak in. And because I did have a little bit of extra money, but uh, something I guess he was pissed that I released him, uh, which is understandable. Um, <laughs> I released him when he still had money owed to him, so I can see why he would be mad. But he's awesome. Um, he can play center in a pinch, um, and he plays a totally fine center. He's not going to be amazing at it, but he can do it. Um, and he just, he still mashes. I don't know how, and we have a really bad park for, uh, for home runs, but he still hit 36 of them last year. I mean, I remember looking at Elijah Holt when he got, uh, when he went to Colorado and thinking to myself, now nah, this, he's not that good. I mean, cause I saw him in Vegas and I was like, okay, he was, he was fine. He, had, he, he got better as he went on, but man, I have not seen someone age this well and play this well into his. And we're talking about someone that was in Vegas, one of the best hitters part, an 800 OPS guy in his prime. We're talking 23 to 28. And we're looking 10 years after he's traded to Colorado, he's still kicking it back in San Diego. He's an 85 war player where if he can stay healthy, he's looking at, he's looking at the 90, 92, 90, 95 range. Yeah. I mean, he's an easy first ballot guy. It feels like his ratings have like barely dropped at all. If they have, I think he was yeah. on the 20, 2018 that beat So fun little full circle sort of thing there. I mean, just truly incredible how, I mean, he was drafted in 2017. He was drafted 21 years ago. Yeah, he's, what can you say? He's, uh, I think Ryan called him father time a few times. Or, uh, what else can you say? Yeah, or, uh, yeah, drafted, drafted in 2017, drafted 21 years ago. Just insane. Wild. It's, it, it's really it's it's really funny to see how how well guys age. I mean, Angel Bonifacio, he's not young by any stretch. He's thirty four and stole ninety two bases last year. It's funny. It feels like the um, it feels like guys either die super quick or like every once in a while you just get these guys who barely die, like at all. Like Terry Mooney died at like thirty one, and yet Joe Bonifacio is still doing this. Joe Sparrow still the number one player in all of Sky. Yeah, I don't know. At, I don't know what to make of it. At thirty nine. And it's I mean, funny because, like, some guys, like, Bonifacio does have an injury history. So it's not like it only happens to these guys who are Ironmen. I know Sparrow, I think, is kind of a healthy guy. I'd have to check. But, like, Bonifacio, on my screen, he scrolls. So 
you'd think that maybe he would start getting worse, but it just hasn't happened. No, I mean, maybe, and maybe he doesn't, maybe, maybe he just stays like this and, and, and all is fine and dandy. And I mean, you talk about guys in injury history that, that stay like that. I mean, we still see it, see a Spago. He's still an 80, 80. Um, yeah. It's funny. It's, it's, it's hard just, to know who's going to die and who will just I, keep going. I mean, Justin Simmons is still kicking around somewhere. That's my favorite. My, one of my favorite like classes of player are the guys who are so, or like are clearly wrecked and have been wrecked for like a decade, but their bars just don't drop. Cause then oh, you yeah. see that scroll history just get longer and longer and longer. I mean, Justin Simmons is a, is a full two pages worth of worth of stuff plus. And every single one is like eight months. Which oh is yeah. More impressive. Oh, it's, it's absolutely hilarious to see. Yeah. He's incredible. I hope he just keeps it. You know, people keep signing him cause he's extremely popular and he just keeps getting hurt and see how long that scroll history can go. I mean, you got to retire, right? Like, like, the quality of life there in the future is not going to be good. <laughs> Doesn't seem to bother. Yeah, I mean, he's made $54 million, so that can buy a pretty nice quality of that life. That is more than Ted Summers has made. Ted Summers has made 44 and a half in his career. Ted Summers. We had to have a Ted Summers uh, reference. We did. We did have to have a Ted Summers reference. How do you uh, How do you not? Ted Summers, by the way, 24 strikeouts away from passing Chris Mercado as of this recording. So suck Ted Summers is better than, uh, than Mercado. Yes, Chris Summers is in fact better than Chris Mercado. That has been uh, confirmed by our stat people. Pat, that's passing on the uh, all-time strikeouts list. And rumors have it, Summers might not be done after this year. Got so, more in the tank. Got more in the tank. But let's go back to the Marlins. Uh, in that second round of playoffs after beating the Phillies, in seven, you then face the Atlanta Braves, a team you had just beat out for the best record uh, in baseball. Yes, that was a uh, that was when I, I very much wanted to win. Um, I think you kind of cut out a little bit there. That was just uh, my Siri tuning in at a very <laughs> inopportune time. Oh, Siri's got got hot takes on the Braves as well. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, that was a, a fun one to win. Um, the, you know, if you want to call it a rivalry, you can use those terms. Um, but we were going back and forth all year um, to even make it in, like, as the one seed required, like, some very opportune wins. Because um, I think we, we were going in, we had the last, um, the last series of the season. Uh, he had the tiebreaker, and we lost the first game, so we had to win both on the road. And somehow we came away with that. So having home field um, against the Braves was, was really big. So I believe, believe you guys had command of that series for the most part. Am I right? Um, I don't know if I'd call it command. Like we, it, it was a vet, like we're, I think we're pretty evenly matched. I think I was probably a little bit better, but it was very much a series that kind of like Philly could have gone either way. Um, most of the games were pretty close. I think I won, I might've won one and yeah. he won one. That was like pretty So looking easy. at it, it looks like it was 7-3-3-0. So you kept home field. Atlanta took gay their first game uh, at home four three. You came back, took game four four to three, got shut out in game five six nothing, and then clinched the series at home five three. Yes, I was um, pretty convinced that we were going for seven, where like anything could happen. And um, I don't know, there was something very poetic. But Holt was the guy who hit um, the bottom of the eighth off of Bumgarner, who hit that three run jack. Um, so if there's some sort of like, you know, the sky gods 
sort of smiled on on me and wanted some delicious irony that day. Um, it, it all happened. It was kind of nice. And Bonifacio, well, we got to Bonifacio here in a second, but I believe it was, uh, yes, Esquivel. Uh, that was a division round MVP against Philadelphia. I meant to shout him out, but no, it was uh, Angel Bonifacio there, the, the regional finals MVP against Deerish. I mean, killed him for years in Toronto over the last four years, and then comes to Miami. Just Deerish cannot get away from Angel Bonifacio. He is like, I mean, Bonifacio is for 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 like a, a pitcher's park like mine. I mean, Bonifacio, you could not like come up with bars that that fit better no. for this type of parks. And in the playoffs, I mean, he steals, he sold 92 bases last year. So in the playoffs, that can be, I mean, that can be deadly. I mean, in the, in the postseason, he stole East. I mean, he only quote unquote only stole five caught once, uh, but five in five and 18 games. That's, uh, that's not too bad. Yeah. He's, he's great. He's great. We're very, very happy to have him. I am sure you are. And he, I believe is locked up through next year. I believe he has one more year after that. I wouldn't normally give like 27 mil to a, an older guy like this, but for him, I mean, the bars are still there. And again, he fits the park so well. It just felt like the right, the right way to allocate that money. So there's someone that's still sitting out there in free agency. That was a big part of this angels team, three and a half four OPS plus of one fourteen. What can you say about the three forty two on base percentage, man, the super utility infielder, Ron Schuff. Yeah. Ron Schuff. Um, we traded Chris Turner before Chris Turner was Chris Turner. Um, we gave uh, Dustin Chris Turner, and we got Shuff back. Um, yeah, I'm a big Shuff fan. He was absolutely terrible in the playoffs. Um, I just kept thinking, like, I mean, his BABIP was super low, and he wasn't striking all that, all that much, so I just figured, like, eventually the BABIP has to turn around, but it really never did. He had a work plus of zero, according to the game, which doesn't seem super good. Um, did you just say work? It's WRC. Oh, I call it work. No, it is WRC. WRC. I think work is easier to say. It's a lot less syllables. Oh, it just sounds so much worse, but go on. <laughs> WRC plus of, uh, no matter how you pronounce it, it was zero, um, which isn't ideal for the players. No, no. Again, we, we need Ripo to confirm this one, but um, he's a really helpful player to have Is he feels a lot of, difficult positions very well um i don't think the bat he, he has like the bat profile that you'd think would get killed by 23 but it didn't get didn't seem to get killed as much as uh nick cruz um his, his bat for the season was super high so like obviously that had something to do with it but he's just a very helpful player and he can do a lot of different things so another good marlin that's currently sitting out there in free agency that that helped this team last year uh, Juan Iglesias, I want to talk about that that Iglesias Gutierrez pairing you have there because Gutierrez doesn't look like he should like, that he should be worth two war a year and worth four worth four war in twenty thirty six and yet he is. Talk about the importance of of Marcos Gutierrez. Yeah, so Gutierrez, especially this year with twenty three, um, Iglesias, I mean, especially in the postseason. We're sorry to cut you off there, but but Gutierrez OPS. Uh, 835 in the postseason in eight games, going 10 for 29 with three doubles, drove in two. So, again, very key part of the team. Just don't focus too much on the uh, the playoff Babbitt. No, no, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He got it done. Um, Iglesias, he, I think he did get killed 
um, by 23 in sort of the same way that Nick Cruz did because Iglesias is such an avoid K's type of guy, and it does seem like that got nerfed a little bit. Um, in the playoffs, I actually started um, platooning. Like Iglesias wasn't even my full-time uh, center fielder because Gutierrez just his, – Gutierrez's fielding went up in 23, and the bat – continue to be what he's done which seems to make people upset but you know he keeps doing it so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with it oh, i mean if the uh, if the production's there what does it matter what the ratings say uh, the, the production at the end of the day the production is that all the production is all that matters yeah i mean the thing to, to remember with gutierrez is that number one um, osa is low on him like my scout has obviously been very high on him accuracy wise for i don't know, I don't know how many seasons at this point um but I would say it's low on him and his platoon or his splits against righties are like 55 contact, 55 gap and 70 avoid K. So he is better than what like the general game. I don't know what other people's scouts might say, but he's better than what people give him credit for. So it's funny. I keep going through this team and looking at all the guys that were killed at killed by 37 another or uh, killed by 23. Another one that comes to mind, current Cleveland spider, former 2035 all-star Brecken Wright. I mean, yeah, Wright was an absolute stud for you. I mean, he starts 11, he starts eight games the postseason. He goes six for 34, uh, a WRC plus in the postseason of 27. I mean, not good. I mean, I'm looking at all these guys that, that, that played well for you across the years, a big part of why you made 10 consecutive postseason appearances. All of them are shit. And yet this is a 104 win team that wins it all. Yeah. I, I mean, mean the even, pitching. even like the pitching was very good. Brecken was not great during the season at all. I mean, definitely and, not and during the playoffs. No, definitely not during the playoffs. But like you look at the the pitching staff, like Jonathan Garcia, good. I mean, he wasn't uh, twenty thirty five or twenty thirty four levels of of Jonathan Garcia, but he was still uh, number one quality. John Katinas finally took that step forward as he already dropped a full run from thirty six to thirty seven. I mean, you want to talk about someone that that re- that was really helped by. 23, look no further than John Katinas. I mean, he improved across the board. Yeah, Katinas is awesome. I mean, we um, the the rotation has been a real strength for a number of seasons. Like going back, I like I don't think this was necessarily our best team to make the playoffs. Like I think our best team was the one that had Mellon and Haggerty and Garcia, like all in the playoffs at the same time. Um, and that one they just happened to lose or whatever. But I mean, this this rotation with I think Della Rosa was like my number three guy. And Roan was number four. Like, I think that can stack up against pretty much any team out there. I mean, Juan De La Rosa, did he – I mean, yeah, he missed two months there in the middle of the season, but he came back for the postseason, four starts, three ADRA, uh, two and two, so a bit of a mixed bag there. But uh, pitching staff should be just as good this year as it was last year. Garcia, Katinas, Roan, De La Rosa. I mean, what, what, what's uh, – how are you feeling about this team? I mean, uh, Felix Ramirez coming back midway through is going to help uh, as well. Yeah, so yeah. How, um, how do you feel this team compares to uh, to the 2037 SES champion Marlins? Yeah, so the uh, the sort of TLDR is that we are worse, um, which is sort of by design. Um, I'm sort of taking the Tarlow method of like, you win and then you can sort of, now that you have that under your belly, you can sort of take a step back and start thinking longer term. Um, but I still think we'll be competitive. The um, The pitching should be just as good maybe a little bit worse. Um, it kind of depends if Katinas can keep it up and um, if uh, De La Rosa continues to be good. 
Um, obviously, Garcia is still really good, but he's, you know, he's getting older, as happens to all of us. Um, but I think we'll still be really good. The bullpen, I think, will be totally fine. Um, a lot of batters are no longer with us. Um, it was kind of, it was very fortunate that we won when we did, because now we don't have Holtz, we don't have Rojo, um, we don't have Iglesias or Schuff. It's just a, a lot of, like, key pieces uh, just aren't with the team anymore. But I think that we will be good enough to be competitive, but maybe not to that same, like, 104 win level. So finish, finish this sentence for me. The Miami Marlins are 2038 Skyline champions if? Uh, if we um, get hot in the playoffs and get timely hits, because that's, that's just how I, that's what I think the playoffs are. So haven't talked about the Skyline Cup Series yet. Played the Cubbies, the team that I don't think anyone uh, expected to be there. What, what did you expect going into that series? I mean, probably, I guess the hottest team in, in the postseason got in with 88 wins, worst team. They were the, they were the seventh seed out West and they made the run all the way to the SCS. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it reminded me a little bit of the 2028 SCS where we were the lowest seed and we snuck in and just got hot at the right time. Obviously we got swept, um, but going up against a really hot team especially one with like a lot of young players out in basically any and there were I think it was four it was a five game set and I think at least three or four of them um could have gone either way I mean all but all but game one had save opportunities in them uh game one Miami took 6-1 Chicago I believe only team to beat you at home in the postseason yeah I was really uh, scared they beat you 4-1 but then you went into you went into Wrigley took games three four and five eight five five three three two yeah, and I think each one of those had, you know, it, it's the playoffs. You, you really need, like, timely hits. And for the longest time, we would, we would like, lose playoff series where there would be some game where we would leave, like, 25 runners on base or something like that. And, like, I don't know if the game, like, controls for that, if there's any sort of clutch rating, like, that underlies players. But for the longest time, we just didn't have it. But against the Cubs, everything just happens to sort of go right at the right time. And that, and that brings me to the Skyline Cup Series MVP, Roberto Esquivel, in the, uh, in the postseason. We touched on it, had just an absolutely fantastic postseason, was that MVP, of course, against the Phillies, uh, Silver Slugger, All-Star, Skyline Champion, but the SCS MVP uh, in the postseason as a whole, 18 for 63, six home runs, 15 RBIs, OPS there above 1,000. I mean, just... MVP stuff from someone who arguably should have won MVP last year, you think? Uh, I mean, I don't feel super strongly about that. I think Blake Hathen did put up like a win more, which is meaningful. And he did at a first base, which kind of goes to show how good his bat is. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to argue too much with it. As long as we got what matters. So, you know, if you want to vote for whoever for, uh, MVP. It's it's all good with me. As long as long as you win the ring every year, you don't care who wins the award, right? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So, all right, I'm giving you your soapbox. You've got however much time you want. Talk about what you want. This is your time, Sam. Wow, it's exciting. Um, what do I want to talk about? I'll shout out some players. How about that? Okay, go ahead. A big shout out to uh, to Marnix Bogard or however you pronounce it. Um, it was cool that he was like, like when I first joined Sky, um, 
he was a prospect that I received in like the first big trade that I actually made. Like when I, when I joined with the Marlins, I think Miami Lee had like completely gutted the team. He had sold any, like basically every valuable player had been sold for basically nothing. Um, and I had one player left who was my closer, who was a, who was rated 70. And he was the only like actual asset that I had at the time. It was the end of 2025. I came in like right at the end of the season. Um, and I traded that closer, John Evan, to JP. And in return, JP gave me Marnix and Terry Mooney, who were like, who both ended up being like franchise players for the longest time. And I ended up getting rid of Marnix because he was getting expensive and he's kind of injury prone. Um, but it was cool to bring him back like just in time for him to, to win a ring. Um, so big shout out to, to Marnix. It would have been cool to get Terry Mooney as well, but you know, you can't, can't have everything in life. Also, um, I know you like angels talk. Um, I got an angels, little piece of angels trivia for you. I'd love a piece of angels trivia. So Marnix, um, in that original trade, um, Marnix could have been, he was very close to being an angel. Yes, he was. Um, yeah, because JP had like some set of like four or five prospects. And he had to like, I don't remember exactly what trade he was making with you at the exact same time, but he had to split up his prospects. Um, and he offered me like my choice of either Marnix or Juan Vieta, who was really good for you for a while. Um, and I switch at the last moment, I, I asked to switch out and get Marnix instead. And it seemed I like think, it worked out for both of us. It did. It very much did work out for the both of us. Um, that is, yes. I what do. was your trade? I, you got like Tom Witten in that deal? That, uh, that uh, was that, is that Tim McCorkle? <laughs> I have, I truly have no idea. Is that when I said McCorkle? No, McCorkle. Oh, okay, I'm off by 10 years there. <laughs> uh, who would I have sent? Let's go to my transaction, Ooh. my GM transaction history tab. So I, ha I have the answer, but I can let you find it because it's fun. Said it was 2025, correct? It was December 2025. That was. Oh, fuck that guy. Mike Mond. <laughs> fuck Mike that Mond. guy. Mike Mond. Yeah, he's, he was one of those like ratings guys, like not in the Freddie Fiala range, but like one of those guys who just never seemed to play up exactly to how good you think he should be. I mean, Boston, or I guess it's now Fresno David. Would not trade with me for a while after uh, after that, after I got a Mond. Was Mond good for you? No, 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 no. He fucking sucked balls for the year and a half I had him. So why would he not, wouldn't David want to trade with you? Because I presume you gave him something. Uh, because he, ju he just got railed. He got railed by the entire, by all of Sky pretty much. And but not, I, mean, I feel not, like I, as it, but if Mond, but Mond sucked. So it turned out like, it turned out that David made a totally fine trade. God, Mike Mond, fuck that guy. Actually, fuck that guy. <laughs> so bad. So Mike Mond is a key, uh, somehow he became a key part of the, uh, of the 2037 run. Not actually, but you, know, you can sort of blur your, blur your vision and, and see how Mike Mond is connected to it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with, with, without, without Mike Mond, without Marnix, without Vieta, and it's funny, I keep looking at chat here thinking that, oh, David's going to say something or Jason's going to say something. I figure that we're not live right now. Um, I hope they listen because I feel like they have some uh, some good takes because I was so new at that point. Like I didn't I didn't understand like any of like the greater context surrounding any of these players. And that's 
again, that's what makes this league so great is that we got guys that have been around for so long where the context is there. Like every once in a while, I think about like, am I in sky for the baseball or, or am I in sky for the camaraderie and the guys and all that? And I've come to the realization that I'm not sure I can ever quit sky. Even if the angels can, if the angels could go 50 and 106 every year, sure. I'll hate it. But just the group of guys that's here, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I'd be able to leave. 5106 means that they made the playoffs and got swept. Right. That means they played some extra games. Uh, sorry, I'm 50 and 112. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I can see how that would be. Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking most of it. enjoyable, but I totally, I totally agree. Like this is, this is my, I always wanted to be like in just one league that was like hyper-focused on like the great, like the lore around all these players and like the history of the league. And like, this is the only league I'm in. This is, I mean, this is the only one I'm ever going to be in. Um, so like, I, like if, I, if I don't win here, I'm not going to win anywhere. And this, this league just has everything that like you, you would want. The only <laughs> thing this league is missing is a traveling championship belt that just gets stuck in Canada because Amin always has it. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, I don't know what international shipping costs are like, but uh, it's just all the more reason to keep, to keep uh, the embargo on. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Atlanta just traded a second rounder for one of uh, Alvaro Cervantes. Oh, man, really? Dirich is, good at, Dirich is good at making those sorts of So I like deals. that. He, he can't field. Um, I like the bat. That bat, man. But I, I'm just of the of the ilk of if if Amin is asking for a player and the, the ask is just a draft pick, there is something he knows that you don't. I don't know how like Amin something he has some magic like pixie dust in his system because it's like I used to think that he was just ripping everybody off in trades and he just like had a really good eye for prospects. But it happens on these guys that like are scouting discoveries too. Like Felipe Rojas, I'm looking at him now. Like, was he good when he signed? Like, he I mean, I've been for I've been very months. unabashed about saying this, and I truly mean this as a point of respect. Either Amin is the greatest GM this game has ever seen, or he cheats. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I'd rather it be. I think he is incredibly good at. at um, selling at the right time, which is something that I've tried to emulate. Um, I've also tried, like, something Dierich is really good at that he deserves a lot of credit for is making trades a lot like the ones he just made um, with, uh, with Toronto, where he'll trade, like, a pick or two for this kind of underrated guy with a ton of team control left. Like, if you look at his team, like, Tarver was kind of like that. Um, Zaniel Evans was kind of like that. And they always turn out well for him. Steve Witzel was a guy that... I was really mad that he got because like Witzel obviously has not been good lately, but it was just a good deal. Um, so Dierich deserves credit for that too. I made a trade that was kind of inspired by that, which was trading with uh, Ryan for Wilson Gannon, who I think could be like an underrated, like Fran maybe Fran maybe franchise left fielder is probably overstating it, but he could be a really <laughs> useful guy for a while. Just like that, uh, like, like franchise cornerstone. Yeah, franchise corner outfielder. <laughs> Franchise corner outfielder, yeah. He's a corner outfielder that plays for my franchise. So at, you got, you, you're still on your uh, your soapbox. Anything else you want to talk oh, about? Oh, man. Uh, if I had known I was going to be on the soapbox, I would have uh, 
you obviously have not listened to championship. You you obviously have not listened to championship podcasts of, of your. I'm just uh, I definitely have, but it's been a while. I mean, I think um, it's been a few seasons since. Yeah, because uh, we because we, we don't have any uh, any first time champions in. Right, it's just Toronto, it's Toronto, a, Toronto. Kiefer in there once with his Enron financials. <laughs> okay, here's here's something I want to uh, I want to discuss. Um, so Roberto Esquivel, uh, I've mentioned this in general before, and I don't think people believe me. Um, but I've mentioned that he was the last guy um, in the deal. Like I didn't even, he wasn't even my part of my initial ask. Um, and I went back now that for whatever reason, maybe Casey Matt bought Slack premium, or maybe they just gave it to us. Um, I went back to find the trade log or like the trade conversation between Andrew and I. And um, I can confirm that I did not ask for Esquivel first. And I didn't know. I didn't know he had 80 range at the time that I traded for him. Um, if you look back at his scouting history, his, his earliest two scouting reports, he's listed as a center fielder, which is what it was at the time that I traded for him. So I was looking at his stats as a center fielder, which are, you know, so good. Like he has 60 range. He's never really going to play outfield for me. Um, but I didn't, Nor should he. Right, right. With 80 range, he'll play infield all day. Um, but he... Like I had no idea that that he had 80 range. I had asked for um, as the final piece in that deal, I asked for Luis Montero, who's been really good with uh, with Andrew, um, and he said he wanted to keep Montero. So I just got uh, I got Esquivel as the uh, as the throw-in, and then I think my jaw like hit the floor when I saw that he had 80 range. I had no idea. You're like, oh, I'll uh, yeah, I'll take that. that I'll works. take that. I remember I, I, I was so careful with him through the minors because I was so worried that he would turn into this like scrolly guy because I feel like a lot of really good shortstops, you know, the game seems to think that like collisions at second base are like the most deadly thing that can ever happen to a player. So I was super scared that he would become scrolly and then he immediately got three day-to-days like back-to-back uh, in his first se- season in the minors and I was terrified. But he's been, for the most part, I mean, he missed the full season, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. So that's, that's all I got for you. 2037 Skyline champion, Sam Miami. It's a pleasure talking to you. You as well. Uh, last question for you. Who do you What's consider up? your, who do you consider your biggest rival? Oh, it's Atlanta? the Braves. Okay. Oh, well, who so, are the other options? Uh, Philadelphia. Actually, no, I'm not even going to phrase it as that. Just talk about Trent. Just talk about Trent. Oh, I love Trent. Trent's awesome. I If there was, like, one GM I could pick to win that wasn't me, like, if it's not Trent, I don't know. If, if it's not Trent, he's on a very short list of people. I would be ecstatic if they won. Um, Trent's great. His, like, appreciation for, like, the league as, like, an almost institution, I think is, like, incredible. And his appreciation for league lore and for league history is like crucial, I think, to just the, I don't know, the, the success of the league as a whole. Because it's the lore that makes this whole thing like what it is, you know, like, no, and he knows these players so well. It's, he's, he's awesome. For myself and everyone here at Skyline, I'd like to thank Sam Miami for joining us on the Champions Podcast. I will see you, Sam, in Slack. And the rest of you, I will see you in Slack as well. Enjoy your night. You as well. It's been a pleasure.